0: You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 3800 Marlton Pike, Pensauken, New Jersey. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. This is Peter Aguero. He's a storyteller on the Moth Radio Hour, a podcast that I really like. He also worked at a Renaissance fair selling jewelry. Uh, and this quote you see here on the screen is from an encounter he had at the Renaissance Fair with a man who was harassing his wife. How intense is this sentence? I'm so close, our noses are touching. I can feel and smell the fear coming out of his mouth. That, 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 that gets me. It makes you, you want to hear the story, right? Well, sorry, I might spoil the story a little bit uh, because I want to tell you how he ended it. I want to tell you how it ends because Peter Aguero is getting at what I want us to get at today. He's paying attention to his life in such a way that he can see the tension between his insides and his outsides. He, he's aware of something coming from inside him that feels foreign and yet at the same time, very, very natural. I hope that might already make sense to you. Something that feels foreign- and completely from you right at the same time do you know that kind of tension an emotion or thought takes control and though you know it's coming from somewhere deep inside of you you also know you do not want it to be who you are does that resonate with you it resonates with me for Peter Aguero who's from South Jersey by the way his anger has played a big part in his life Violence has spilled out of him many times, especially as a teenager. But in his adulthood, he has he has tamed that a little bit and learned some self-control. However, this 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 encounter with this man, who harassed his wife Sarah, uh, has him kind of unhinged. And the encounter ends without any physical violence, but still that feeling. Um, the man gets kicked out of the renaissance fair and and this is the the end of the story i'm breathing heavy i'm just trembling because this monster this thing that took me my whole life to kind of put a leash on is now unleashed inside of me and i can't control it i sit on this rock and sarah comes over and she sits behind me and, and she throws her arms around me and i just start to cry because i hate that feeling And I don't want it to come up anymore. And she just holds me as I'm crying. And she says, baby, it's okay. It's not your fault. You're all right. Everything's okay. During Lent, we want to band together. Kind of like Sarah had her arms around Peter. and, And look at the monsters that might be coming up. And keep saying, it's all right you're okay. That's that tension. There are monsters in there, and it's all right. You're okay. It's scary. We need a lot of trust to shine a light in those dark places. Your dark places might not be so apparent to you that you would call them monstrous, but we need to call them something. This is confession, calling them something, calling what we see that needs to change by a name. Some of these names we put up here on the cross. And here's the thing. It can't be your own name. Those blue sticky notes, that's not your name. Did anyone put your name on there? You didn't do it right. And I don't think you did it that way. But that's what's going on inside a lot of the times. Those things, you think they're your name. That monster that's inside of Peter Aguero the tension that he's feeling is he's afraid that that's who he is. And we're here during Lent to say, no, that's not who we are. I'm a redeemed human being. I'm the one Jesus bought with his life. I'm a minister of reconciliation. I am not this anger or this depression or this addiction or this indifference or this fear or whatever it is that needs a name that is not your name inside of you. Confession is away on the cross jesus is exposing death for what it is and here we have jesus on this franciscan cross Eh, with, with our wilting attempts from last week because we need to try again and keep trying and keep trying that's what we're getting good at in lent is trying again maybe something you wrote up there last week did did you did did it come up again this week those of you that were here last week, did you, did you put something to death on the cross and yet it needs to die again? Most likely. Most likely. And that's okay. Because we're here to try again. We look at the way things are and we say, things are not okay. We say, this is happening. But I don't want it to be happening. We say, I want to change. And I think I can't. With Jesus' help, I, I want the world to change, and I think it can, with Jesus' help. People who aren't carrying death around inside of them anymore can do a lot more to change the world than those who are dragging all that junk around inside of them. We can do so much to remove death in other places, even in other people, and in the world when we let Jesus remove it from us. I can do what I can do what I can to end the cycle of violence, like Peter Aguero happened to be able to do that time, or like you all were doing when you were letting those stones go as Jamie led us. I'm not responsible for what has happened to me, but I can stop it here. Peter Aguero was shook by his struggle, and I think we get that. Winning that wrestling match is so worth it, and Jesus is here to help us. But let's go further. What would the world look like uh, to not be caught up in that struggle every time we feel attacked? How would we see the world if we were able to to change something so that every time we felt attacked, it didn't mean that we were attacked and we acted as if we were attacked? What if that changed? Peter uh, Aguero was was addressing a real attack upon his, his wife, but if we're paying attention, we'll notice that those same kinds of deep feelings that he was feeling come up all the time, and the attack is not so real. I think we've we've all heard of, of fight-or-flight mode at this point. Yeah, fight-or-flight, you've heard of that. Um, kind of a basic idea, probably more complex than I'll make it. But we're, we're either going to attack or flee, in every situation, even if this isn't a battle. We're kind of confused about where the battlefield is, and it seems like it's everywhere. What if that wasn't the case? Uh, What if we, we noticed what was happening in the moment and did something other than what was automatic? Without the urgency of my survival on the line, I might be able to act differently and thus change the world and not live from a place of death like, that's possible. Just a little beat, a little moment to recognize, oh, here it comes. Let me do something different. I could get out of fight or flight mode in my relationships um, because I'm not grasping for my life in every one of them. What else could happen in this space between us if I'm not going to live or die, depending on what you do? That hope that something else could change sounds like salvation to me. That sounds like being free from the bonds of sin and death. In Circle of Hope, we say Jesus is best revealed incarnationally. That means that people will know who Jesus is, what he's like, who he is for, what his dreams for our future are. People will know what Jesus is about best through Uh, a community, through um, this community that embodies him by a group of people who actually live and do what he said with him in their midst. That's us. That's Jesus being revealed incarnationally. But this is a dangerous proposition because we are so aware of our brokenness. How can we reveal Jesus? How could anything good be in here? It's a tempting thought. I'm sure it crosses your mind. And especially in our relationships where we are so good at wounding and rewounding each other, how do we even not do that? How will Jesus be revealed, revealed in this mess? It's a miracle because he is revealed. People meet Jesus in this body all the time. And I, I meet Jesus again in this body. It's the primary place. Where I have encounters with God, because I've, I've I've made my life around this, and so the rhythms of Jesus's life, death, and resurrection pulse through you into me. Our relationships are fertile places for transformation, but they they might also be the best places for death to grow too, because of how broken we are. We we can, but we can do something different we can make some space for for love to grow if jesus is at the center of us we can even bear one another's burdens that's that's the that's the move because if if your burden is an attack upon me which it might you know very very easily to be interpreted that way and you might even be right about it (laughs) but if you can see a person and let them be who they are and give them some space uh, I, I might even be able to bear their burden, which is just not destroy them when their burden touches mine. If I, could, if I could be aware of that, when our burdens bump and I don't just blow up, I think I'm changing the world. I think I'm revealing Jesus incarnationally. I think that's, 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 that is huge if we could do that. So we're making a, our life's work, this project of loving one another, of loving everyone. Seeing if we can do it. Because what I just described, it's simple, but it is not easy. And we all know this. Because I need more tending than I could ever get, it seems. My burdens are so soft and tender that it really hurts when you touch them. And you're going to touch them all the time. No one gets me. No one is paying attention. No one knows how I feel. You know what? At times, all of those things are true. They're not just self-pity. Sometimes people aren't paying attention to you as much as you need attention. Sometimes people uh, are not loving you. They aren't getting you. You actually are unique. Sometimes that's true. Why can't I connect with anyone? That's the desperate question. And one that I think more and more people are asking. I think our technological power is making it easier and easier uh, to flee, not stay and fight, but just retreat and have some semblance of human connection that keeps me vaguely alive and vaguely uh, healthy, uh, but is really eating away at my sense of who I am and, and who I'm connected to in the world. Uh, we can be connected and not connected at the same time. You may not even have the words for your need. You might not know exactly what to put up there on the cross. And I don't want to rush past this too quickly because I think a lot of people are dealing with this loneliness, this confusion and it's just a haze and we're not that eloquent and we're not sure and we don't pay enough even attention to ourselves to even know the word or we're trying really hard and we still can't that's another project that's happening during Lent is we're lamenting um, just oh, yes. we're, we're we're naming our sorrows if we can and sometimes that's hard to do and that's why you might need another Lent next year or maybe you're just going to need to work on this uh, by yourself in your cell, maybe with a therapist. What the heck is going on? It's a really good question. It's not always that apparent, and so I just want to pause here uh, and recognize that the, the immensity of this project of transformation, R- relationship with Jesus throughout the year, will help, but it's gonna—you're gonna have to keep on walking. I'm working with how things aren't right. That's that's what we're saying. God is making things right. And and do you see how I'm kind of living in that kind of relational zone. I'm wondering how how is God making things right in my relationships? I think it has to do with that that question. But that that animosity that I started with from Peter Aguero, I I, I think that it that it's a very powerful force. And you might not be a a big alpha male like me that really identifies with Peter Aguero, who you saw his picture, kind of looks like me, you know, like ready to hit somebody. You know, that might not be you. And you don't have to look like me for that to be you, either, by the way. You can you can feel that if that's what you're ready to do. And 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 againstness. It's this power. And and unfortunately, it's very useful for making community, for even making relationships. It's very easy to create a sense of safety, by creating a sense of violence. Because we're over here. We believe this. We have this in common. And they over there do not. They're different than us. We're scared of them. There's a line between us. And now that line is circling us up in a big, warm hug of togetherness. It's very tempting. It's not even stupid. I'm making it sound like a joke. It's not. Enmity is very powerful. Againstness is very useful. And of course, Donald Trump knows this. Uh, I keep saying that he's the apex of our increasingly divisive modern political discourse, which is definitely not everything that's happening, but it has a big impact on us. Um, Againstness, it's very powerful, and it taps into that monster that Peter Aguero was describing and tries to transmit it to everyone. As, as much as they can. Decisions get a lot easier when it's life or death. If powerful people can keep us in that insecurity when it's either or and it's simple, wow, okay, I'll take the lesser of two evils every day. It's simple. Of course, the world is not like that, but but the government is continues to give us that story, whether from Donald Trump or from... Bernie Sanders the question is who's who's the um most uh wise in their definition of what you should be scared of but they're both using the same thing the government's threat of violence however is their only power that's the only thing that they have when it really comes down to it the law is about if you don't do this i will hurt you that's the power of the government and when Jesus died on the cross, he killed that power. And so we don't have to live by life or death. In our relationships one-to-one here in this beloved community, but also in our relationships with the world and in our, in our relationships with everyone, maybe all of humanity are transformed. We said on the daily prayer as, as Lent began that Lent is a school of love because we believe that love casts out fear and vindicates death, the death that Jesus um, died, and, and our deaths, too. Jesus said in John 15, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down their life for their friends. And maybe a few decades later, Paul, the author of Romans, was fleshing this out. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. We could just do that. That would be good. There's a nice list to work on for the rest of your life. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse rejoice with those who rejoice mourn with those who mourn live in harmony with one another do not be proud but be willing to associate with people of low position do not be conceited now here's the part that we get to uh peter aguero and donald trump and enmity do not repay anyone evil for evil be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge. In Greek, this says, do not make things right for yourself. But, my dear friends, leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. There's a lot in there. There are questions that you might have about what it's, what's going on. I'm not going to get to all of it. Don't forget whatever what is... If you're scratching your head, what does that mean? Write it down, because I'm probably not going to talk about it. This is what sincere love looks like. Not taking revenge... Not taking justice into our own hands, but leaving room for God's justice. Again, avenge means to make things right. That's just what avenge, just means to make things right. And God will make things right. You can count on it, but in God's way and in God's time. When we come to the communion table, uh, which we're going to do in a moment, we're proclaiming the Lord's death, that this is how he made things Right? Until he comes again. We're walking through these words until he comes again. We're uh, ripping and dipping through these words until he comes again. We need to act this out. We're chewing and swallowing through these words until he comes again. Because these words um, are so easily far from our minds, these words are so easily enslaved by whatever is monstrous in you and, and pushed out and marginalized inside of you, just like we push out and marginalize others. We're doing that here too. But somehow, God will make things right. Jesus is coming back. And the fullness of each and every act of love that we have performed will blossom into something so much more. And, and Jesus is coming back to, to bring uh, the final destruction to each and every act of fear and bitterness and depression and enmity and all the death that we carry around inside of us and all the, the terrible things that grow from it in the world. God is making things right. Don't be puffed up and, and fight your way into an exhausted lump in dark isolation. God is making things right. Don't give up on the people you love. Let them be who they are and learn to love them as they are. They'll probably change too. God is making things right. Don't forget who you are because things come out of you that surprise and even frighten you. That's not who you are. That part of you needs just as much tenderness as your enemy does. I think that burning coals image has something to do with transformation. That that that's going to get burned up. If we let the suffering other of of others just enrage us, depress us, uh, drive us into ourselves, or we just simply shut out the pain, we're being overcome by evil. If instead we ask God for the grace to stay present to the pain, that's our project in Lent, and then for wisdom to know what we can do, what would be good to do, we're on our way to overcoming evil with good. What can anyone do in the face of widespread evil throughout the entire world? Whatever we can. That's all we can do, whatever we can. Here's a final idea from Tim Geoffrey in his book, Saying Yes to God. It's, it's something practical that you can do. Romans 12 is pretty practical too. Maybe go back to that if you're, if you're looking to, to flex your muscles this week. But maybe try this when it comes to enemy love. Name one hard-to-love person in your life. You may be at a complete loss to know what to do differently, or you may feel powerless, but you still would like to learn how to let God's love flow more freely through you to him or her. Let go of all that you have been wanting them to be and choose to accept that this is the way they are and who they are likely to be unless they choose to change. Take a deep breath and release all your pent-up feelings as you exhale. Pray for the grace to get to the place where you can observe this person and simply say, Well, that's them. Be good to say their name. You know you have successfully completed this step when you can mention their name without an emotional charge. And you can think of them without disdain or distress in your judgment of them. There's an idea. Thanks for listening to circle of hopes, Sunday meeting podcast. If you want to talk about it, or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our connect drop down at circleofhope.net.